always good to say hello to ESPN Zubin Mahente. He joins us right now. Zubin, good afternoon to you. And let's start first, Zubin, with the NBA and these championship round games thus far. And we have Cleveland and Boston tonight. What has happened here? How come we're having games that are so one-sided each and every each and every game? It's it, it's not great for viewing after you've seen it through about three quarters. You're right about that. I mean, I don't think there's anything the league can do about it because if it was just, let's say, restricted to one conference finals situation, Jim, I think you would be fine. But I think you're getting into a situation here where there are two games over the weekend, one in each conference finals, and you add it up, and the point differential is plus 71, 30, and 41. And what's interesting for me is that in the Celtics series, you just kind of don't know which team will be plus 25, whether it was the Celtics in game one, or which team will be ahead by 30, the Celtics losing by that margin in game three. Now, obviously, the Warriors did lose by 22 in game two, but you just sort of kind of feel like if Curry is quote-unquote back, that if there's going to be a lopsided margin in the West, you kind of feel, although everything can change, you kind of feel one game at a time, it just feels like the Rockets are done dominating the Warriors. It's not that the Warriors can't lose to the Rockets, but I think with Steph getting his swagger and confidence back, I just don't see how the Warriors get blown out. I've always found it interesting, Jim. I don't know if you concur. While Durant has been incredible, 37 38 25 Throughout his Warriors tenure, he has never been the type of guy that when he explodes, the Warriors win. I mean, they had a 58-win season this year. They had a couple of really lopsided losses. But when Curry is on fire, they rarely lose. So I just think you never know what you're going to get with the East. From now on, I think you know what you're going to get with the West if it's lopsided. And I think the most obvious point of all is that the proliferation of the three-point shot is not just something that Golden State and Houston are using, although they use it massively, but that really, to me, is the reason why these games are being blown open the way that they are. It is very hard for a 65-win team that went 31-10 and on the road in the NBA, the best road record in the league, 3-1 and entering last night on the road in the playoffs. They had won opening night at Oracle Arena for that team with the likely MVP to get blown out by 41 points, I think a lot of that just goes through the way the NBA has relied now on the three-point shot, and you're seeing it in both conference finals. It's been, uh, well, not overly entertaining, and he can kind of flip these things off and then wait for the next one. So let's go to the next one. Let's go to tonight after the onslaught early on, the great run that uh, Cleveland jumped out to and coasted into the victory. Do we see a compelling game? Is it something where I actually have to have the television on in the fourth quarter tonight? Well, it's on ESPN, so I think I'm obligated to say yes. So, I mean, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I mean, <laughs> of course. No, um, listen, I don't think the Celtics are going to get blown out again, but I also think that even after all the praise that they had gotten after the first two games of the series, I think if you were really watching basketball and realized the Celtics at that point prior to that debacle on Saturday were 1-4 on the road in the playoffs, they had not been able to beat the Bucks on the road one time, in the playoffs, um, they probably could have lost twice on the road to the Sixers. They pulled out that miracle game three. Um, and so, again, this is a team that you really can't rely on on the road. Plus, they are facing the team with the best player in the game. So the idea that this could go be tied up at two apiece 
while it seemed insane after the Celtics were up 2-0, if you just step back and look at the 10,000-foot version, the macro view, you'd say the Celtics are not a great road team in the playoffs, and the Cavs still have LeBron. So I easily think this could be tied at two apiece. I just can't think this is going to be a 30-point route the way that it was the other day. I did mm-hmm. really like Terry Rozier coming out after the game and saying we got our butts, you know what, handed to us. I really like that. But the real interesting schism to me was when Brad Stevens, as a coach might do, said, hey, you got to give all the credit or most of the credit to the Cavs. But what I really liked was when Jalen Brown, that same night in the postgame, said, you know what, I don't really think it was the Cavs. I think it was us. So I respect the notion of Brad giving credit to the, where credit is due, LeBron spreading it out amongst his guys. But there's also something, Jim, about the notion that when Jalen Brown says, nah, man, I know they got LeBron, but it's not them, it's us. I like when the young player, whether that's a little cockiness or whatever, when he shows that kind of swagger, I actually like that from young players. Look, I, I don't mind guys being a little swag like that. That's that's why you become a great player. Uh, I want to go back to something, though, that you said uh, when we first started the conversation. And you referenced the fact about the Houston Rockets. And you said the beard, James Harden, most likely the MVP. To me, that is an absolute joke. It is not even close. I know, Zubin, where you're going with this, but all the beard does do, he just scores. He can assist. He can't defend. He can't rebound. He can't be an extra player coach on the court. It is LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, and nobody else, Trent. Why do we have to keep doing this nonsensical stuff by naming somebody else? They did the same thing when Jordan was playing uh, for a couple of seasons. I agree with you. Um, you know, we got to give the MVP to Barkley because he hasn't won it yep. yet, and the Suns are good. And that was 25 years ago, and that, that to your point, Jim, I know you've been following the league for a long time. And nothing has changed. Um, Russell Westbrook deserved it last year for the season-long triple-double, but he's not a factor in the playoffs. The NBA's coach of the year just got fired because it's a regular season award and not a postseason award. In America, we tend to lionize our athletes and coaches for what they do in the postseason. It doesn't really matter uh, that Joe Girardi got eliminated in Game 7 of the AL Championship Series. If Aaron Boone goes one round further, he'll be a, a, a hero in the candy of heroes in a parade. So a lot of times you're right. It just comes down to it needs a regular season award, but we assign greatness in the postseason. So there's a little bit of a boundary difference there where we're willing to hand out an award for greatness and then expect a different level of greatness at the next level. The one thing I would say, though, I agree with you, Jim, he'll never be a plus defender, and that's a huge problem because all great players, LeBron, Kobe, even as he got older, Michael as he got older, um, most of these guys, barring a few MVPs like Nowitzki or Nash, those guys are never great defenders but i think today we want to see the all-around game we want to see seven footers that can hit three pointers we're expecting everybody to play a little bit better we're expecting everybody to be quick and to be able to shoot and if you don't have the all-around game and he clearly doesn't have the defense and you're right he's not the most motivationally strong guy it doesn't work but i would tell you this jim the one thing all the criticism harden is getting and all the praise that steph getting last night and everything lebron's gotten over the last two games that he didn't get in the first two games it's taking the attention off of one player who has waited his entire life to get to this round. LeBron's been here, done that, Harden, all the Warriors, I got you. But there is one player who has waited his entire life to get to this stage of basketball. He's never been there. He's universally liked in the NBA. 
but he has not shown up in this series at all, and that is Chris Paul. And he has waited for this moment. He has had three subpar games, and a lot of the criticism is going on Harden, and deservedly so. You're right. If he's an MVP, you've got to carry the team at this particular juncture in the season, like Steph did last night in the third quarter. But we might be letting Chris Paul off the hook a little bit here as we focus too much on Harden. They, he has got to play better. He has not been a factor, in my opinion, Jim, in any of the games here. Mm-hmm. So have we come to the conclusion that uh, what I told you guys back before the season began, wake me up in June, well, May 31st, <laughs> when we get to Cavs and Warriors again? It certainly feels like that could be the case. Obviously, I'm not going to count the Celtics out because as they said the other night after the debacle, I think we still got to wake up on Sunday and remember we're actually up 2-1 in the series. You know, mm-hmm. yep. After that kind of loss, you wake up and you're like, oh my goodness, we're... We just got walloped. The other team is LeBron. We're staggered. We're on the road. But the reality of it is, as LeBron said, all we got to do is protect home court. And deep down, even if the Cavs and Celtics won't admit it, the Celtics know if they end up protecting home court the rest of the way, how the series will unfold. But to me, it's been actually great for the NBA ratings-wise. I think there was a lot of trepidation with the Raptors, but the Rockets and Warriors have given TNT its highest Game 1 rating ever in the Western Conference NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they've been broadcasting the NBA since the 1980s, so to have their best rating out of the gate for a Western Conference Final, we're talking over 25, 35 years uh, of rating. And for ESPN, when LeBron is in there, LeBron is in there. So I think there's still some interest. You're right, Trent, though, for the amount of blowouts that there have been. It's easy to check out, but I think the storylines are compelling. Like, for example, if uh, Curry is struggling, I think he was 3 for 20 after the first half of last night's game, 3-for-20 from 3. It was 2-for-13 in the first two games, 1-for-7 uh, in the first half last night. They were up by 11, but you kind of felt like they were going to blow them out. I still think there's some compelling nature of watching the game, even if it's a blowout, because you want to see Curry look like Curry, and he looked like it in the third. And you want to see whether Harden is going to wake up or we're going to talk about it today. And LeBron, when the ball is in his hands, is prone to do anything at any point in the game at any time. So while there have been some blowouts, and you're right, it's probably maybe heading towards the fourth installment, of Cavs Warriors, there's just enough compelling people and storylines, even in lopsided games, to keep you going. Even if it's a blowout, I want to see if the two-time MVP, the guy that makes the Warriors go, what is going on with him? And if that takes me into the third quarter of a blowout game to see it, I'm willing to see it because that's a real storyline for a lot of people out there. Zubin, uh, quickly before we uh, run out of time, take me to the National Hockey League playoffs. Here we are with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, their first season in existence, playing with players that are players that teams didn't want. They are cast off. Even Marc-Andre Fleury, at 33 yeah. years yeah. of age, Pittsburgh kicked him to the freaking curb and said, yeah. go away, we don't want you anymore. And here they are in the Stanley Cup final awaiting the winner of Washington and Tampa Bay. What does that say about the NHL? I mean, to me, this is the biggest story, not just in hockey, but this is becoming the biggest story in sports. And it's going to be no matter who they play. By the way, they swept the season series from both Washington and Tampa Bay. So whoever they play, they've got to feel really good about it. Two things I would just tell you real quick. Uh, Number one, I asked Barry Melrose this last night. We went on the air maybe like 10 minutes on ESPN after the game had ended, and I just we talked about some random stuff about the game. We talked about flurry and penalty kills and power plays, whatever. Last question I said, Barry, if they win this thing, is this the greatest story in the history of hockey? I just said, if they win it, not now, if they win it, is this the greatest story in the history of hockey? 
And you guys know the NHL has been around for more than 100 years. And it was one of those situations where they stood there, or whatever, whatever, however long it's been around. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's been around forever. And Barry said, listen, I coached Gretzky. I saw Gretzky. Original six. This would be the greatest story ever, and here's why. He said, think about the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are like the Lakers and the Celtics of the NHL. Not in terms of titles. you got to give that to the Habs. But the Leafs have everything going for them, like the Celtics and the Lakers do. They have the most uh, media attention, the fans, the aura, the money. They have everything. They're at the pinnacle of their sport. In Canada, where the sport is loved like no other place. You're in Toronto, the biggest, most cosmopolitan city. Great tradition, great history, great money, great fans. Everything. And with everything rolling in their direction, with everything they've got going from the intrinsic viewpoint, they have not played in the Stanley Cup Final since 1966. Okay? 1966. This is for a team that has practically done everything in hockey and has all the advantages you could want. And they are watching a team, to your point, Jim, the Vagabonds from Vegas, that nobody wanted, come right in there and do something they haven't been able to do in basically a half century. So I think from that standpoint and that standpoint alone, it is amazing. And if you guys have any time, do a Google search on their head coach, Gerard Gallant, who two years ago when he was fired by the Panthers was not yep. even allowed on the team's flight, was told to take a cab home, said we're not even give you an airline ticket to come back with us. And two years later, that guy has orchestrated one of the greatest coaching jobs in modern hockey history. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Hey, one more for you, Zub, before we let you get out of here. Kansas uh, has fired their athletic director. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, third football hire looks to be imminent for the Jayhawk program and wanted to get out in front of that. A step further, though, any connection here to what's been going on with basketball, the connections Kansas has had, some of the issues that have happened there? Hey, the, the program is historically amazing, and it's about men's basketball at Kansas. Is it as simple as they just didn't want to give the guy a chance to screw up a hire in football for the third time? Yes, I think 95% is that, but 5% is nobody, not even Bill Self, could probably tell you how this thing with Preston slash, more importantly, DeSouza is going to work out. And they probably need somebody in there that has a plan and is ready to go. Not to say that Dengo couldn't have done that, but 95% of it's on football. I don't think a lot of people realize they have spent $300 million on a football athletic facility, and I believe David Beatty has given them one win for every $100 million they've spent on that football facility. <laughs> so I think it's one of those situations well. where that's the major thing. Because, Trent, if we ever get to a point where we consolidate the Power Five conferences and they just go off on their own, you're going to want to make a strong case in football. Their basketball stands on its own, and that's not, a, that's not an issue. But you well know that when the Big 12 was going to dissolve and partially become the Pac-12 several years ago and swallow those schools, they weren't willing to take Kansas, even though Kansas had a sterling reputation in basketball because the decision was 100% solely based on football. He struck out on a couple of hires, and obviously you can make an argument, even at a basketball school, maybe not named Duke or Carolina, this is an incredibly vital hire. I think the guy raised a lot of money. He did a really good job. But at the end of the day, your job is twofold to hire and fire coaches, and to raise money. And I clearly think he was one for two, but to be really good at your job, you have to be two for two. Zubin, it's always great, pal, when we catch up with you. You have a great day, pal. Thank you. All right, guys. See you next week. Zubin Mahente, 
ESPN, right here on the Big Talker 1700. You know, Trent, it's it's so funny because, you know, I've covered a lot of hockey. And he had a great story about what Barry Melrose had to say about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. And I, I know that you were working with Ken today, and he was probably down in the dumpsters a little bit, and I get that with his Winnipeg Jets. But, man, oh, man, what a story the Vegas Knights are. It's it's so incredible that they're an expansion team. And I believe that when the St. Louis franchise was entering the NHL, I think it was back to like 1968, 66 or 68, right in there, they came in with a couple of other teams. St. Louis made it because they were all expansion teams, made it to the Stanley Cup final back then. Yeah, you got it. 1968, but, Jimmy B., St. Louis Blues okay. made it. Six expansion yeah. teams at the time. Yeah. You had the Kings. You had the Seals out in Oakland. You had the North okay. Stars. Uh, who were the other? Uh, there were six. And all six yeah. of those expansion yeah. teams were in their own division. The original six were in their own division. So somebody right. was going to make it completely different, and they were promptly yep. swept for nothing. Uh, the Blues were yes. in that Stanley Cup final. This completely different, completely out of left field. It's it's incredible, Jimmy B. It is absolutely it is. incredible. It is. Love it. It's Love one the of the story. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's one of the best sports stories we've had in some time. I mean, team team type sports stories. A bunch of cassock players that nobody wanted, Trent. And here you got Mark Andre Fleury, who has won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins as their starting goalie. But then they just kicked him out like he was yesterday's garbage. Well, and yeah. here he I is mean, again. Slow down, Jimmy. I mean, they didn't kick him out like he was garbage. They couldn't well. protect everybody. No, that, they couldn't, but they, the weren't, but they weren't going to protect him. They weren't going right. to protect him. Because they, yeah. had a, they had a goalie in place. They I, had to let him go. I get it, but still. You're, you're, you're making it sound like I mean, they, they thought he was garbage. That wasn't the case at all. There was a reason for this. I mean, you go back when the Florida Panthers, you know who their number one pick was in the expansion draft? No. John Van Beesbrook, who led them a couple years oh, later. To he the Stanley did, Cup. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the reality of Stanley Cup. And, and the way that the expansion draft is in hockey, you can't just say, well, we want to keep everybody. We're sorry. We well, like I, know, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I that, that's the part I think maybe you're, you're going a little bit overboard there, Jim. I think they still would have cut him, though. I really do. Just because sure, he was 33. And he was high-priced. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah, he was high-priced. Yeah. That's the reality so, of it. But it's still, it, it just looks like cast-offs, and here they are as the best team in hockey. Or at least uh, right now in the Western Conference, the best team. And they're waiting for Washington and Tampa Bay. Uh, it, it's, I, I hope the ratings are through the roof. I, I really do. I hope fans jump on that story. And even if you're not a hockey fan, at least sample it a little bit, just because it is such a good story, Trent. With that, Jimmy B, we got to get a break. We're coming back on the other side. A lot of national look there. We're going to look at localized things here a little bit. Wolfgang's going to stop by, going to talk some basketball recruiting, and a whole lot more as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. And, of course, high school baseball. The kickoff coverage begins tonight as we will bring you Des Moines Roosevelt facing off against West Des Moines Valley about 7 o'clock with the first pitch of Game 2 out at Valley tonight. All to come here on 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back once again. It's Jimmy B and TC. We'll take you up until 6 o'clock tonight 
And then, uh, well, I make my way over to Valley High School for a little high school baseball this evening as it's the opener for the high school baseball season across the state. And our opener on 1700 will be Des Moines Roosevelt making their way over to Valley to take on the Tigers. Should be a good one. Game one, in fact, going on right now. I'll bring you the coverage of game two, about 645. We'll take the airwaves tonight. Wolfgang, what's going on with you, my man? Hey, man, I'm... Look, I've heard you on basketball. I love your passion. I know you know this stuff. I haven't heard you on baseball, so I'm interested to see how that goes with baseball. Are you like, are you Mr. Small Talk in between? Are you going to be like, <laughs> Laurel, 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 or Yanny, Yanny? I mean, are you? what do you do here? It's like in between pitches and stuff. Do you go hardcore baseball? you start talking weird about, have you seen that show with that crazy guy? Um, what is his name? They went crazy. It's on... Oh, this guy, he's hilarious. I've heard him in interviews. He's absolutely funny, but he melted down once on air. And are, you so talking, this guy are, are, are you talking about Brock Meyer? Is that where you're at? Yeah, so have you seen yeah. I've got him recorded, yes. and I haven't seen him, so we're going to start watching that. What do you think of that? Have you seen oh, it? it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. I, I told Ken he's got to watch it, too. I figured it's right up his alley. It is very crude. It is excellent, though. Really, really enjoy it. Now, I have not got into season number two yet, just season one, so I'm in the same spot as you. I got to get caught up. I know season two is underway, but Brock Meyer, excellent for for any sports fan and comedy fan. Very, very good, no doubt. Yeah, he's funny off the cuff. I've heard him in other interviews, and mm-hmm. he is he's damn hilarious. I don't know. He just has my sense of humor. Maybe that means you go too far sometimes, and sometimes he's right on the line and tap dancing it. But man, that dude is funny. Yeah, so I want to watch that. And I'm looking forward to listening to that tonight. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it uh, should be a good one and another great season. CIML, I mean, we, we talk about the depth, you know, that we see here of high school sports football year after year. It's somebody in the 4A level. Well, it's been Dowling pretty much every year, but the domination that we see there, basketball year after year. Baseball, though, to me, in terms of depth, year after year, there are six, seven, eight teams that certainly are in the top ten of the state. I saw the first rankings came out from the Coaches Association. Six of the top nine teams are from the CIML the amount of yeah. talent that is here, Johnston has three kids, in fact, three kids that are just juniors that are already committed to play over at Iowa, including just uh, an absolute excellent, excellent uh, first baseman for them who I saw play as a freshman. There is so much talent here. It happens all over the place, you know, when we talk about the CIML, but maybe more than any other sport, it's baseball. And Wolfgang, I have fun with it. And to me, you know, basketball is so fast, and in radio, when you're describing everything, you don't have a whole lot of time, you know, to get into some goofy stuff. Baseball, I mean, football is, all right, play happens, then go back. What did you just see happen? Baseball, there's a lot more in between. Heck, if you want to come out and talk with me and, and be my color guy, we could do that this summer. It is one of my favorite things to do, high school baseball, and, and really looking forward. Missed last season, back in it this year, looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Bill, and I told you a couple things before I wanted to go on. Iowa baseball wasn't wasn't one of them, but yeah, this is going to be a fun week with Iowa in the Big Ten Tournament. You're telling me they got talent here in Iowa. It's all going to stay at Iowa. There isn't an Iowa State or a UNI, mm-hmm. so that helps Iowa big time. So it's going to be fun for you to watch these guys to see what they will translate to, and if Iowa can get this done, for, it's going to be, the, let's see, it's three and four years, right? It'll be four and five years. Are they going to make it? It's going to be fun to watch, and I'm, I was out of the whole bunch of graduation parties, Trent. We were talking about Patrick McCaffrey, I told you want to talk about. We were talking about a little Iowa baseball. They know I'm a Hawkeye and, and Iowa State fan and root for all the teams in state. And they were talking about Iowa baseball. It actually is a talking point mm-hmm. amongst people. Are they huge into it? No, they're not. But it's a fun point to think if they could keep, 
You said three guys from Johnston? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to do some homework on this. Okay, three guys from Johnston are going to Iowa. So, I mean, they're going to keep the studs in state. They go outside and get, I'm trying to think of the states around Iowa that maybe the big-time schools would overlook. They go get those guys. We might have, Iowa might have some. It might, it'll be interesting, I think, Trent. It, it is, and the Big Ten Tournament gets going this week, which is always great. It'll be a early wake-up call Wednesday as they play at 9 o'clock against Michigan in game number one there. And they still have work to do. They, they have plenty that they still have to do uh, to be an NCAA tournament team. Maybe a run to the championship game will uh, get them in. I think if they do that, they will be in good shape. If they get knocked off, though, before the title game, Going to be uh, sweating it out come selection uh, for the NCAA tournament. But high school baseball around here, it's really good. And that's the other thing. You know, you look at that Iowa baseball roster, and there's a lot of kids from the CIML. You know, their closer, Nikki Nelson, kid from Valley. Uh, their third baseman, Matt Hoig, he's a kid from over at Waukee. You look around year after year, there's kids that come from central Iowa, and you're right. There aren't other places for them to go in-state. So, hey, hey, we could disagree, Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, Bulldogs, about a, a number of things in baseball, we can all be a unified front, right? Because it's the only D1 program that, that the state of Iowa has. Balloon King. Seriously. I didn't know you were performing at Funny Bone next week. That's great, man. <laughs> you like Try the field, Trent. Are you joking? That's the funniest thing you've ever said on radio. <laughs> what, you don't, you don't, you're not buying that? You don't, you don't see you're that? You're buying that, dude. You and I, maybe. Yes, you and I, obviously. Okay. I talk to so many U and I fans that are they're equals. I mean, they're, you know, love Iowa. I would say you think they're rooting for Iowa. You have to know the community better than that now. You have to. <laughs> come on. Come on, Cyclo Jerry. Put on your Hawkeye baseball shirt. You can <laughs> come do on, it. Man. you got to be kidding me. You think, oh, good for them. I'm so <laughs> proud of those young men doing their best in the classroom day in and day out. They're on the field. That's great. They're giving their all in sweat, blood, and tears. That was so cute. <laughs> yeah, I think I know better than that. I know better than that. <laughs> so, all right, Wolfgang, a uh, couple of things that I wanted to get into with you here today. It is the uh, springtime, a lot of AAU tournaments going on. I saw uh, DJ Carton put together another great performance, no surprise. We talked a little bit about him, but uh, Patrick McCaffrey moved on with uh, everything that happened, obviously, with his AAU uh, program. He's playing up with Minnesota D1 this spring, and, you know, it's interesting. When you see him play in that environment, I've seen him play, play in AAU, looks much different than he does at the high school level. And watching him mm-hmm. last year, you know, down at the state tournament, watching him the last couple of seasons, he just looks like such a different guy, more free-flowing. And, and Coach Bergman at Iowa City West is an all-timer, one of the greatest coaches I, I think that we've seen th- go through the ranks, certainly in recent history at the high school level, but his system at Iowa City West is, it it can be slow, it can be monotonous, not exactly free-flowing, but when he's able to get out there, run a little bit more, more people impressed. You know, the same thing happened with Connor McCaffrey. Looked like a different guy when he was playing on the AAU circuit than he did at the high school level. I know you've talked to some people that have been watching Patrick play this spring. What do you have for us? What are people seeing? Yeah, no, it's fun because I mean you're probably reading some of the same stuff I am with Twitter and then message boards and all the you know, all the sites, and then you you go out to graduation parties, you talk to family, they're hardcore into it, and I was you probably do too. You always have people coming up with their hardcore takes on stuff just because they know you're into it, which is fun. We don't have to go through the BS and the small talk; we just get to what we want to talk about right away versus having to talk about like nothing. You know what I mean? God, these graduation parties man stress me out no end. But anyway, yeah, so we, I mean, we get to it right away. And so it's, it's, we're talking about McCaffrey and some of the guys, 
don't like him. They've like seen him in high school. They think that you need to dominate. You need to dominate high school ball. You need to put up 30 and 10 and 10 or whatever. And that's interesting what you said about the difference. I don't think I had brought that up to him. That's an interesting point about high school basketball and AEU. So, I mean, I think some of these guys were thinking they saw him rated like around, was it 30-ish? Which is basically borderline McDonald's All-America, just on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. you know, you know, knocking on the door, say, hey, can I come in and play with you guys? I don't know that I ever saw that, but I haven't seen him a ton. And so I think some of the Hawkeye fans were, that were negative with Patrick were like, are you joking? That guy's not a top 30 player. And from what I understand, Trent, he dropped, and then I'll get to the positive, but let me ask you if you know this. If you don't, it's fine. Okay. I think he dropped quite a bit in one of the sites. He went from like 30 to 70-something. Mm, I, I didn't see that, no. Okay, okay, I'll look that up. I hope that's not a lie. It's not a lie. It's just me being wrong is what it is. But, you know, I, I saw some of the footage, and I like him. I haven't seen a ton of him. Um, people say he can't really shoot that well. He doesn't really, you know, he can't really do anything down to the basket. And then I go, how in the hell is he ranked 30 in one site at least, you know, a while ago? Maybe he dropped, maybe he didn't. And I'm saying, how can he be that good? I mean, if he can't shoot, he shoots weird, and he can't do anything down low. Well, I saw some down low post moves. Yes, the initial part of the down low post moves were pretty good. And then he struggled with the end of the post moves. It's there. I can see it. I can see he'll be fine. He'll work at it. He'll get it. You remember Aaron White at the beginning? He didn't have all that stuff. You don't have to be Kevin McHale in the post if your coach is smart, if your game plan is right, Trent, to score on somebody. You don't have to. I always thought we should have gone to Woodbury more. I know you probably disagree. A lot of people disagree. Just go to him, spread the court, and give him room. Same with Aaron White. I've said it a billion times. Yes, he doesn't. he's not the most fluent ever in the history of the world, but he's long. He's confident. He's got nice touch. Throw it to him and give him space. And it just annoys me to no end. So this guy, I mean, he's still got a year of high school to go. So are we expecting this guy to be what in the post, Trent? What are we expecting to be? And by the way, the few uh, post moves that I did see where he started off with great footwork, he did make. I mean, obviously it's a highlight tape, but I mean, they were kind of awkward shots a little bit. Kind of like Aaron White would make at the beginning of his career, if, if that makes any sense to you at all. But, I mean, he can get the footwork down to finish some of that stuff out. And then I got some positive on you. What, what do you think about What do you think about people's – I mean, you've heard people, you've seen Twitter and message boards. What do you think of their reaction to him, and what do you think we're going to see? Because I think he's dropped quite a bit in the rankings, but that's just one person. Who knows? I didn't expect him to be a top 30 player, for crying out loud. Those guys are freaks. Well, and, and I'm looking at least at the main recruiting sites. So 24-7. Is it, two, is it 24-7? They have him 48th in the country, so that's down a little bit okay, from some I thought, other. I thought, there was one, I thought that was the one where he dropped crazy. No, he's 48th there. Rivals has him at 34, and okay. ESPN Scout still has him at 32. So, you know, he's, I mean, he, even, even at 48, you know, top 50 player. Look, there are times when I watch Patrick's game, and there are, there are holes to pick in it. Absolutely. He's not thick, and he's never going to be thick. And you're hoping, you know, by the end, maybe, you know, Utah did add weight. He has the frame, though, that he's never going to be a huge hulking guy. I do wonder, with what he went through with the thyroid cancer, if that's something that he's just mm. never going to be able to put on weight. I, I do wonder that. Look, I'm no doctor. I'm just some goober on the radio. But it's something yeah. that, that is certainly rattled around in my brain. But even with that, here's the things that 
I look at that need to improve upon. There, there are plenty of times when I've seen him play where he gets bounced off the spot because of that frame. He's, he's got to find a way to be stronger, not just in terms of what you see, but he has to be stronger with the basketball. The way that he plays, that is a must. Another thing, you know, he shoots it pretty well from the outside, but that shot is slow. That needs to get a lot quicker. And for a guy that's been around basketball for as long as he has, that's something where you say, come on, Fran, get, get, get working on that thing. Get, get that thing quick. Get that thing up there. Comes low with it. Don't like to see that. That, that needs to be improved upon as well, I believe. But one thing, and I saw it in the highlight uh, video that came out this spring with him, saw it going back to the state tournament last year. Him in the open floor, his athleticism. He is not just a, a six nine guy that can dunk because he's six foot nine. He has really good athleticism. That was something that I was really surprised about. Now, like I said, because of his size, he's gonna get bounced around a little bit. But in the open floor, I've seen him make some dunks where it's not just a, a six nine guy <laughs> flushed it. He gets up high, really high. He had a dunk against Oski and against Wieskamp where I whoa. I mean I, I stood up out of my chair. <laughs> He's got some athleticism to his game. Will he be able to? You figure when the rest of him kind of, when his body fully develops, when, when everything kind of catches up with him, because there are times where he looks like he looks like a little deer out there, you know, just kind of galloping around and not exactly sure what's going on. His legs are, and arms are going all over the place. But when that's harnessed, there's a lot there. I still have a lot of excitement for McCaffrey. I believe he's got to become a much better shooter. I don't think he's ever a guy that you are going to play exclusively in the post. He's not that kind of a player. He's more of a small forward than a power forward. But still, with all that being said, I'm still incredibly excited about Patrick McCaffrey and what he can become because I think the upside for him is still incredibly immense. Okay, I love that. Real quick, okay, everybody remember, we're talking about Patrick McCaffrey. He's still got a senior year to play, and then he's coming to Iowa. So... What kind of three-point shooter do you think he could be? Do you, are you just saying, not, I sit here and I, I try to like stick up for Fran. You know I like him, I don't love him. And we can get into that in a second. I go negative big time because I start to think about this and I just sh- shake my head at some stuff. But I'm trying to think about a dad as a coach. I mean, he can't go too far. You know what I mean? He's got to be a dad. He can't be Iowa basketball coach in your face. What's, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to put myself in Fran's shoes a little bit. But, yeah, I'm like, right, yeah, this, this shot needs some tweaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can all admit that the shot needs some tweaking, and then I'd be like, hey, son, you want to go down and let's finish off some of these post moves where at the beginning of it looks pretty good. Let's finish that off. I, I would think that would be something you could do without your son hating you. You know what I mean? Because that could happen. Yeah. Where, like, if Fran went too hard, that could happen easily to a college coach whose son is damn good. Let's say he's top 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Let's just say he's top 8, whatever. I mean, that could easily happen where your son freaking hates you and goes, Leave me alone, Dad. I like this. I love this. You're ruining it for me. That that could happen easily. So I don't I don't know what to get on Fran about. I mean, you brought up some interesting health things. He's got to gain weight. He has to. He looks like he has to me. I don't know if you saw the newest video. He looks like he has not a lot, but he looks like he's put on. So I don't know how hard that would be. Part of me wants to say, Fran, if you can't get your own son to put on fifteen twenty pounds, how are you gonna do it with your players? Part of me wants to say that. And the other side goes to the other thing, like you're saying. Maybe it's a whole thing. Maybe it's like, you know, I want to be my son's uh, dad right now. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I don't. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, go. It, it's, I, I, I go back to, I don't know if it'll ever happen for him. I just, with, with his frame, with his size, 
I just don't think it's ever going to happen where it's it's going to be easy for him. Kid had th- thyroid cancer. I mean, I, what does that mean? What does that mean for putting on weight? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know either. But have you seen some of those quotes from Fran? This is where I start getting negative. You might want to hang up on me. I, I start, I've done, what, maybe three, four, five TV shows with you when I was, you know, did the TV thing. And so if you saw my head right now, my face would be getting red. I'd be shaking my head and just, it would be disgust. It'd be, what the bleep? It'd be, huh? I don't get it. You know, and he was asked about it. Like, he, he wants to get the weight program going. What year are we in right now? Mm-hmm. What the hell are we talking about? We got to get the weight program going, Trent? This is what I get pissed off about, and you'll get this more and more from me over the years and years and years. I like Fran. I don't love him. But some of this stuff just makes me go, are you joking? I just assume that we have a good weight program. I assume they're working out four times a week and every single time trying to get one or two more bench presses or one or two more whatever, you know, core work or whatever, not just maintaining or – I never – I can't think of one player in Iowa that I went, wow, look at him, man. He's been really hitting the weight room. You look at some of these other programs, Trent, and you go, dude, he's been hitting the weight. Look at that. Is that good for the? Is, is that good for your game or not? I mean, a portion of it is. I'm not saying I need Hulk strength. I don't need the Incredible Hulk out there or anything like that. But when I hear some of these quotes at whatever that was, that function, the Iowa function, and he's talking about getting our weight program go, we need to change something. You know, blah blah blah. Part of me like is like, thank you. Okay, that's great. And the other part, if we were on TV right now, I'm spitting fire and pissed. Are you joking? Well, it's... Fred, Fred, seriously, think about that. Oh, no, no, what do no. you mean? What does that mean? I, th- I think that what he is saying is that they have, to, they have to be a little bit more rugged. And I don't expect these guys to go out there and be hulking guys. The other thing is, Wolfgate, do you think that they didn't work out before? Well, I, there's no... In my eyeballs, I'm looking at stuff. I'm not seeing big-time... What's the word I'm seeing? Just maturation like I'm seeing in other programs. That doesn't mean they're not working out. But when somebody comes out and a coach says some of this stuff, and he's done this over and over again with me, Trent, stuff that I've pointed out and got mad about and got sick of hearing me talk about on your show or Hawkeye Nation podcast, I go, just shut up. If you're sick of hearing you talk about it, everybody else is. Just shut up. And I just don't shut up because I just want to say it over and over and over again. And this is one of those things where it's one of those things I've said. I don't see guys looking like from the last time I saw them on the basketball court to the first time I see them play in an exhibition game. I don't see those improvements. I got you. Here's what Fran, at least what what I've heard him say in the past, is he doesn't want guys. And coming off of what Todd Licklider was, which we're going to bulk these guys up, and obviously we saw how, how that worked out. He wants his guys to be lean. He wants it to be athletic. He wants quickness. So he didn't want his guys to be just gaining weight to gain weight, right? That, that's what he wanted. So I, I completely understand that. Now, you could argue that, that it's an old way of thinking in the Big Ten. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that, on and on and on. But to me, I, I completely get what he was saying, and I get where he's going to. I don't have a big problem with it. I, I really don't. I, I, I'm not at the same spot as you. I get, I'd, I'd like Aaron White to bulk up. I'd like... Jared Utah, had he been hitting the weight room this whole time, he'd be on a roster in the NFL making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Unfortunately, when he left Iowa, he could still be blown over by, you know, he was like a feather. 
a stiff wind would blow him over. But, but Did he get a little better? No, no, yeah. But, but look at Jared better. Utah today, because look at him when he arrived on campus at Iowa, and look what he left. He was bigger. He was noticeably bigger. How could he not get better, bigger? Well, he was real thin, man. Like yes, Ethiopian. Yes. Like, but look at him now. Model, look, look at him now. When you, when you watch him play in the D League, do you, do you see a guy that all of a sudden, I mean, he's out there looking like Shaq? No. His body frame will never be able to do that. Sometimes you, you lose these guys' eyes. Once they see you a certain way, they see you that way forever. I'm not saying anybody, because it only takes one person to go, look at Jared Utah's body, and look how it looks now versus when he was a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. But a lot of guys, man, once they see you, you know, first impressions, second impressions, boom, it's just done. It's in their head. It's in these scouts' heads. We all know people like that. I don't look at it like that. I see guys, oh, wow, look at him improve. But there's a lot of guys like that that just once they see a few times, it's over. It's over for them, and it should be that way with him. But I, it just it maddens me big time that I just I just love. I told you if I won the lottery, I give you know, I give Fran ten million dollars just to follow him around and follow Kirk Ferentz around, just wanting to know what they do, what they see, what I see that they don't see. The numerous examples of Fran McCaffrey that I see where I go. I was saying the whole season nobody was rebounding, and then after the season he just says, this isn't an exact quote, it's close. Well, we didn't really practice rebounding drills. Yep, been saying that all year long. What was the other thing? The player, who was it? Was it Lights Cow or Des Moines Register or Cedar Rapids? Is that, or who had it? we got to give them credit. But a player said, yeah, we didn't really practice defense in uh, practice. When, yeah, yep, that's what I see. That's what my eyeballs are telling me. Uh, now we're, caught, we're hearing about the weight room, Trent. And I'm going, yep, that's what my eyeballs are seeing. I'm seeing very little gain in the weight room. So I just keep going on and on and all this stuff. And I go, I need to shut up because I'm, I'm getting mad. I just, I watch this stuff. I just, why does this take this long to get? I don't understand, Trent. You understand those points I make? It's like mismatches. The other thing that I bring up, we never do it. Almost not never. We've got, we actually got better at this year, which is crazy because we sucked. We, I saw us spreading the court from time to time and going, letting the guy go one-on-one. Where was this when we had Aaron White? Where was this when we had Woody? Where was this when the point guards were guarding our centers from Wisconsin? Where was all this stuff back then? Okay? This isn't stuff that should be learned now, Trent. This is stuff that needed to be in your brain as a coach back in the day. If you don't get it, you bring on somebody that does and may know somebody know something more than you do. You can't know everything, Trent. You have to bring in guys that do. And we're talking about this D.J. Carton kid. And I told you three weeks ago, we're going up against the Michigan coach, Beeline. He gets it, man. That guy's a freaking smart dude. He's gone to championship games now twice. How many Final Fours does he have? Blah, blah, blah. He brought in a guy on defense where he said, basically, I'm trying to think. I don't, I'd love to look up his exact quotes and how he basically mocked himself. He didn't mock himself. But he's like, I need help. I, you know, I don't know everything. I can't know everything. I'm going to go out and get somebody that can coach defense. And then the improve like crazy, Trent. Improve like crazy. It's just, I mean, that's five things right there. Huge, hardcore things that I have framed with, have problems with Fran McCaffrey, but I still point out that I like him because he turned around a program that was just ridiculously bad. But at some point, you got to get better on this stuff. And this, this is not stuff that you can be year, like learning year what? How many years has he been coaching? This is not stuff that like, oh yeah, yeah, my guys might need to you know, get a little stronger so they can hold their position and hold their, uh, you know, this isn't something that should be talked about. Yeah, you know, we should put our arse on somebody and push them back and block out with elbow. I mean, this is just stuff that, again, if this were a TV show, I, I'm just rolling my eyes at Trent Connor. 
Well, I've, I've heard them all before, and I can understand your frustration. So go have a fresca. Get, get feeling better. Get through your week. You're traveling, right? So are we going to talk to you Friday? Yes. Yep. Good. Sounds good. All right. Absolutely. Enjoy that fresca, all right, my man? All right, thanks, Chad. See you, buddy. That's Wolfgang checking in with us. A fired-up Wolfgang today. We'll check in with him later on in the week. We'll take a break here, coming back with more on the other side. With you until 6 o'clock tonight as we will bring you high school baseball coverage as it's opening day. High school games going on right now. And, uh, well, weather permitting, of course, looks to be okay. We will bring you tonight West Des Moines Valley hosting Des Moines Roosevelt in the kickoff of our high school baseball coverage. Come back with more on the other side. It's Jimmy B and TC. All right, back one final time here. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 High School Baseball tonight. 645 with the pregame, 7 o'clock with the first pitch as West Des Moines Valley hosts Des Moines Roosevelt in our kickoff of our coverage tonight presented by Brick Gentry PC. Jimmy B, I got baseball tonight. What are you going to have your eyes on? Well, I'm going to be all over the NBA and the NHL tonight. I will sample a little baseball just so I stay up to speed on what all the teams are doing. But I am dialed in. Boston, Cleveland tonight. Look, if LeBron James is playing, I'm watching. Uh, Tampa Bay, Washington, it is an elimination game. Tampa Bay wins. They will go to the Stanley Cup final and be matched up against Las Vegas. Washington wins. They force a seventh and deciding game. So that's an important game tonight in the Stanley Cup final. So that's where I'm going to be here tonight, Trent. You enjoy it, Jimmy B. You got a pick for us tonight? Uh, Celtics get it done? Do they come back and play? Certainly got to expect better than they did in game three. I would think that they will play better, but they're not going to win the game. I think Cleveland, uh, it took them a couple of games to figure it out. I think they figured it out defensively on what they needed to do. And now I think they've figured out their offense on how to take Boston out of their comfort zone a little bit. And I like Cleveland tonight. That'll do it for tonight. I'm on my way out to West Des Moines uh, getting ready for high school baseball tonight. Right here on 1700 should be a good one. Looking forward to uh, getting our baseball coverage going again this season here on 1700. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Enjoy your sports night. We'll be back tomorrow starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller from noon until 2. And then Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6. All here on 1700.